Hi, this is Pastor Sam Murphy from Christ Centered Church, and you are listening to Christ Centered Cast. I didn't know it was possible to love the song Oh Holy Night any more than I already did as a Christmas song, but tonight I found out that is possible. And uh song, was that in Mandarin or Cantonese? Mandarin. Well, either way, it was beautiful. So thank you very much for you uh, all blessing us with the singing tonight. Uh, wow. Just very moving. And a reminder that someday, as we all fall on our knees before the throne of Jesus Christ, what language we speak today will be irrelevant, because before the throne of Christ, we are all one in him. So just that's my little mini-sermon on top of the big one we're about to get into. So we are in the middle of a series this holiday season, and it's the, the series is titled How the Coronavirus Stole Christmas, and it's a look at the uh, a few things that the coronavirus and the circumstances surrounding it cannot take away from us during the holiday season. Last week, the first thing that we looked at that the coronavirus could not take from us as things around us have changed dramatically over the last year is our faith and what that looks like, how it's lived out, how it's used to bless others. Our faith is something that cannot be taken during the holidays or ever. So tonight we're actually going to look at the second part of that. The second part of that. It was in the first, or excuse me, it was in the the verses that I read to start the, the opening of the service. And it is our hope. Our hope. So last week was faith. This week is hope. And when we talk about hope, Hope can mean a lot of different things to a lot of different people. You may be hoping in a myriad of things tonight, and it could be uh, in some kind of a change in your circumstances, a change in your health, a change in your family, a change in your job. You could be hoping for something to happen that has not happened yet and that you hope will happen or that you might hope won't happen. This last week, it was a week ago Friday, a week ago yesterday, there was a vaccine announced finally for the coronavirus. Uh, Pfizer is the one who put it out. And the news article that I read said, U.S. vaccine regulators on Friday, which was 12-11, authorized the nation's first coronavirus shot for emergency use. And if you've been watching the news at all over the course of the last week, you've seen that it has been rolled out somewhat slowly to different areas, to different people, starting, I believe, with the frontline workers and those that are in emergency services and things. And to say that there are many people who are hoping for this vaccine would be the understatement of 2020. And regardless of what your political positions and leanings are and your beliefs regarding vaccination and all that kind of thing, that is not the discussion for us to have tonight. But the discussion for us to have is that there are individuals who are hoping for it. They are placing their hope in this vaccination. And even though the first was authorized last weekend, it's going to be some time before the positives and negatives associated with this potentially life-changing injection will be revealed. We don't know yet how it's going to impact and affect everyone. In the meantime, though, in the meantime, there are many individuals who, and their loved ones who wait, holding on to the promise from the government that one day they may be immunized against this deadly threat. They're placing their hope in promises that are given, that this is going to be something that will keep people from getting sick. Their hope is in that. And what we need to realize when we think about the hope that many individuals have placed in this vaccination, we have to realize that God too has given us promises that we can hope in. 
Unlike the human government, though, we can count on the promises of God to come through and come true because he is completely trustworthy. So if God promises us something, we can, as they say, take that to the bank. We can trust that those things will come to pass, that those things will happen. Because those are not promises made by mere fallible mortals. Tonight, as we look at Romans 8, verses 18 through 25, we're going to see that Paul begins this chapter by telling the Roman Christians what it means to live in the Spirit and to be an heir of Jesus Christ. Or an heir of God in Jesus Christ, rather. And we see that after he gets done telling these the Roman believers, the Roman Christians, what it means to live in the Spirit and what it means to be an heir in Christ, he then goes on to call their attention to the hope that they have in their relationship with him because of these facts, because of these promises that are made. The hope that they can have that can be trusted because God can be trusted because his promises are true. Tonight, as we look at this text, we're going to see a few things that we can hope in because God has promised them that cannot be taken away from us this holiday season. Much like the faith that we looked at last week, the hope that we can have cannot and will not be taken because it is based on and founded in the promises that God has given us in his word. The promises that are in Jesus Christ and our relationship with him. So tonight, as we look at the text, we're going to see three things that we can hope for that cannot be taken from us this Christmas. The first thing that we're going to see tonight, as we look at God's word in Romans chapter 8, is that the first hope that we can have this holiday season that cannot be taken is that of renewed creation. Renewed creation. Everything made new. Everything all around us made new and changed. That is something we can look forward to, something that we can hope in. Romans 8, verses 18 through 21 talks about this as Paul writes to the Christians there at Rome. For I consider that the sufferings of this present time are not worth comparing with the glory that is revealed to us, or to be revealed to us. The creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. For the creation was subjected to futility, not willingly, but because of him who subjected it in hope that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Now, what I love about Paul is that he is so descriptive and so poetic sometimes. But sometimes that also means weaving your way through a bunch of different flowery language in order to get to the Cliff Notes version of what he's saying. And when you're looking at these three verses, what he is talking about to these Christian believers is he's giving them perspective on where they are in life right now and the sufferings and the struggles and the persecutions and the difficulties that they are dealing with and living with. He's giving them perspective and helping them to realize that this won't last forever. That there is a hope that we can have in Jesus Christ because we have a relationship with him that means that we have a future to look forward to where all of the things that are not great right now are going to change and be made completely new. When we talk about a renewed creation and the hope that we can have in a renewed creation, we see that it too offers us perspective on our present suffering. Whatever it is that you are dealing with or going through right now in life, one day won't matter. It won't matter. The struggles, the issues, the difficulties, the people in your life that just tick you off and you're like, why are they like that? Well, someday they won't be like that. 
And there are just many things in life that can frustrate us that are imperfect. Some might even say cursed. And that is actually theologically accurate. And Paul talks about that here in the text as he refers to all of creation that is under the curse. Let me do a, a brief Bible uh, Sunday school lesson, taking everybody back here to Adam and Eve. They sinned. They made a sad choice, as, as some might say. And as a result, there was a curse that was placed upon them. There was the curse of work in Adam, the curse in childbearing with Eve. And there was the curse on the ground where there was the thorns and thistles and it would be really hard to work the ground and it wouldn't be easy to take care of everything. That's why work is hard today. There was a curse because of the sin of, of mankind entering the world. And this was a curse that God placed on creation. Paul's talking about that here when he says, for the creation waits with eager longing for the revealing of the sons of God. That's speaking about a time when Christ will return and he will make all things new. There will be a new heaven and a new earth, a new creation. Everything that is now, that is the old, will be done away with. There will be an entirely new creation. And there's hope for all of us today to know that the things that we're dealing with in life one day will all be made new. The things that are a fallout as a result of sin and the imperfections in society and life and nature and creation and people will all be done away with. We can look forward to that. When we know Jesus Christ is our Savior and we're one of God's children, we can have hope in this renewed creation. So we see that it gives us perspective now in our present suffering. It gives us something to look forward to, something to hope in. And no matter what you're going through and no matter what is happening in your life, nothing can take that from you. Nothing can take that hope away. Nothing can steal that hope. You can take your eyes off it you can forget about it. You can get distracted by lots of other things. But that hope doesn't go anywhere. And it's always right there for you to turn your eyes back to when you turn your eyes back to the Lord. This renewed creation gives us perspective. It should also remind us that this earth now, right here, is not our home. We're told in the scriptures that we are strangers and travelers just passing through when we know Jesus Christ that the new heaven and new earth that we have to look forward to, that we have our hope in, is something that, that we can look forward to. And, and we need to remember that when we spend our time fighting battles here right now. We can spend so much of our energy fighting for things here right now in our society, in our culture, in our world, that aren't going to matter in eternity. All the while, watching our friends and loved ones and people that we know die separated from God and spend an eternity in hell. We trade that, people's souls, Christians, we trade that for our agendas. Because we choose to spend our time and our efforts and energies on those things, on our own self-preservation. Instead, instead of on reaching the people that we know and love and want to spend eternity with. And Paul shows us right here in the text that someday the things of this world and this earth will no longer matter. The hope of a renewed creation reminds us that if this earth right here is not our home. We're visitors at best. In this renewed creation, we get perspective. We see this is not our home, that we have something else to look forward to, something renewed. And it also points us to a time when everything will be free from death and decay, just like us. 
See, Paul kind of starts to mention that a little bit here in verse 18, or excuse me, in verse 21, and then he expounds it in the next section that we're going to look at. But he talks first about the creation and how that's going to be renewed, and there will no longer be any death or decay. In verse 21, that the creation itself will be set free from its bondage to corruption and to obtain the freedom of the glory of the children of God. Someday creation will be free from the curse just like we will if we know Jesus Christ. When all things are made new, there is no longer a curse that's placed on creation. And that's, that's hope. That's something we can look forward to. And if anyone here tonight or anyone at home is thinking, Pastor Sam, this, does, this doesn't really feel like a Christmassy message. You know, I, where's Mary and Joseph and the donkey? You know, and, and where's, where's the prophecy about the, the wonderful counselor and all those, you know, typical holiday scriptural messages that you hear around Christmas? Well, here you go. This is how you know it's a Christmas message. Tonight, or I think the first song that we sang was called Joy to the World. And what is Joy to the World about? It's about the renewed creation that one day will no longer be under the curse. Where it talks about the thorny ground and all that stuff, that's what he's talking about right there. So every time you sing Joy to the World, remember, it's in Romans 8. And from Romans 8. And that's what we have to look forward to. That's something we celebrate every Christmas. Joy to the World is not just a happy Christmas song that gives you warm fuzzies. It is sound theology that points someday to a new heaven and new earth and a new creation that is, is in God and, and that we can enjoy through Jesus Christ. A new creation that is free from sin and the curse, free from death and decay. We can spend our time, Christians, complaining about how things are, or we can help bring people to a place where they don't have to deal with how things are anymore. That's a choice to make. We can have hope in a renewed creation that one day everything will be different. Everything will be new. Everything will be free. In the Lord. Paul talks about that here when he points the Roman Christians to that. That they have that to look forward to. They can have hope in that that will never be taken. Tonight as you look around in society and culture, what do you spend your time complaining about wishing was different? What do you spend your efforts and your energy on? Is it in wishing things were different that they would change fighting for those things? Or is it in knowing and hoping that one day you will live in a renewed creation and making certain that everyone in your life that you love and care about is going to be there with you? We all have that choice to make this holiday season. And what choice are you making? We see here that Paul reminds them of that hope of a renewed creation that they can have in Jesus Christ. That's the first thing that we see tonight that we can hope in that cannot be taken from us. The second is this. The next thing that we can hope for that cannot be taken from us this holiday season is redeemed bodies. So not only will the creation be made new someday with the new heaven and earth, we will be too. So everybody out there that has that nagging sports injury from 30 years ago, not going to be an issue anymore. Now, I, I can make that joke trivially because I've actually experienced life-threatening medical crisis, so you know I, get, I can do that, but... Believe me, I'm not taking away from anything that anybody has struggled or experienced because the reality is I look forward to every day, one day, having a whole, complete, transformed body in Christ. Knowing that the, the, the illnesses and ailments and struggles, this, this, just being honest, people, this last week for me was pretty bad physically. And as I was preparing this message, 
boy, did I spend a lot of time thinking about this. <laughs> and about one day, what, it, what it's going to look like not to have chest pain anymore. And not to feel weak and like I can't do anything for a day or more. One day, I know that I have a redeemed body that I can look forward to, and you too can know that as well. For so many years, I took for granted this outer carcass and what I could do with it. I didn't take care of it. I didn't do what God wanted me to do with my body. And I want to challenge you, encourage you, if you're taking advantage of and taking for granted what God has given you that way, stop doing that and appreciate it. But not so much so that you lose perspective and forget the hope that you have to look forward to and what a real, uh, redeemed, transfigured body is going to look like and be like. Because that's what we have to look forward to. Verse 22 and 23. For we know that the whole creation has been groaning together in the pains of childbirth until now. And not only the creation, but we ourselves, who have the first fruits of the Spirit, groan inwardly as we wait eagerly for adoption as sons, the redemption of our bodies. I mean, there's so much here that's packed in just these few verses. And when we talk about the hope of redeemed bodies, uh, we, we should realize that it should make us discontented with our current state here. Not only uh, with everything going on in society and culture and everything around us, but also with ourselves, with our bodies, with everything that we deal with. We, there should be a discontent that longs and hopes for something better, because something better is coming for everyone that knows Jesus Christ as their Savior. We will have a redeemed body. We will have fully and completely redeemed minds. If you've ever struggled with anxiety or depression or bipolar or any of the myriad of different mental health issues that I work with people that struggle with these every day, if you've ever experienced any of these things at any time in life, know that there is a day when those things will no longer be an issue because we will have redeemed minds free from sin and free from the curse, free from our own selfishness, free from the, the, the biology and chemicals, free from it all. We'll have a mind, our mind will be in Christ. It'll be redeemed. All of it. That's a hope that we can look forward to that no one can take away. We see that we should be discontented with the way things are now. We should find our contentment in the Lord. Paul is clear about that as well in other places. But our contentment is in the Lord. But we should be completely discontented with everything else that's not going to last. And we see in this, in this theology that the idea of redeemed bodies also shows us our status with God when we know Jesus Christ. That the terminology he uses here, when he talks about uh, Christians, those that know Jesus being the first fruits of the Spirit, first fruits of the Spirit is like God's promise that what he said he's going to do, he's going to do. It's almost kind of like a down payment or a guarantee in a way, if you will. Because God said he's going to make all things new. And we're waiting for that. But he said, in the meantime, I'm going to make people believers in the, with the Holy Spirit living inside of them. And you will see the Holy Spirit living inside those that know me. And that's, that's like my guarantee that one day I'm going to make all things new. He didn't just change everything right now. He said, one day this will happen. But for now, here's your promise. That's what that first fruits of the Spirit means. When it's in, in this particular passage talking about us as believers. But then also we see this concept of, of heirs, of being adopted, of having God as our Father. 
And it's more than just a family connection. There's a legal component here in the text when he talks about being adopted. Because the benefits and the blessings in the Old Testament and Jewish culture, everything went to the firstborn. It went to the heir. And so when he talks about believers being heirs of, of God and Jesus Christ, we can know that we're guaranteed, legally, if you will, spiritually, with God, to know that all these blessings and benefits that are coming are ours, guaranteed. They can't be taken away. They can't be snatched out from under us. He's not going to pull them back. They're guaranteed. And our redeemed bodies and the Holy Spirit dwelling in us points to that and gives us the hope that we can have that can never be taken. Have you thought much about your current life, your physical status, the current body that you're in right now? Have you thought about the fact that one day, when you know Christ is your Savior, you get a completely new one, transformed and transfigured and different, made new? One of the things that I love about this idea is that it, it, it makes me think about, and this is here's another Christmas connection, have you ever received a present when, and when you took, maybe even, you took the wrapping paper off and maybe the box was kind of janky? Or maybe the box wasn't even janky. Maybe the wrapping paper didn't match at all. It was like several different Franken-papers. Or you looked at it and it was uh, one of those joke boxes. And you knew that everything on the inside could not be what was on the outside. When we think about our redeemed bodies and where we are right now, it's that way as well. When you know Jesus Christ is your Savior, you have the best gift in the entire world living inside of you. Your inside is completely different than what we see on the outside, which is imperfect and, and, and riddled with sin and struggling under the curse and broken. And someday, someday, we're going to be the most beautiful gift of all because the outside is going to match the inside. And it's going to be like, wow. That's a promise that God gives us, the hope that we can have in a redeemed body that can never be taken away. We see that here in the text tonight. Paul tells the Christians, and he tells us here as well, that we can have hope in a renewed creation someday, in the new heaven and new earth. He also tells them and tells us that we can have hope in, in redeemed bodies when we will be made new entirely. So no matter what we're struggling with or dealing with or, or down or depressed by, one day it's going to be different. We'll be new. We can start on the inside, though. You can be a new creation on the inside first. But someday, the outside will match the inside. And then lastly, the verses that we opened with tonight when we opened the service, we looked at the third thing, the third hope that we can have in Jesus Christ that cannot be taken from us this holiday season is the hope of reborn souls. We can be born again. We can hope in that. And that's the thing. Because... The only physical way that we can know that somebody is truly saved is by the fruit that they bear, right? It's not like somebody actually gets a sticker, like an I voted sticker, but it says, I am saved. We don't get one of those when we accept Jesus Christ. Boy, wouldn't that make things easier, though, when you were dealing with people? You know, if you, like, walked up to them and on their forehead there was an I am saved sticker, and you're like, oh, okay, I know you're a believer. You need to act right. Or, you know, if somebody walked and they didn't know, but that's not how it is. The only way we know if someone is saved is by the fruit that's born in their life. 
Because salvation is something that's immaterial, it's spiritual. And when Paul talks about it, he explains it here very well in the text in verses 24 and 25. He talks about this hope of salvation. He says, for in this hope we were saved. He says, you all believed in Jesus Christ and hoped for a new creation. You hoped for redeemed bodies. You're looking forward to what is to come. And it is in that hope, in that belief, that Jesus Christ died for your sin and you were born again. In that hope, you were saved. There was nothing physical that happened. It wasn't magical. There wasn't like sparkles in the air or anything crazy like that. What we see here, he says, for in this hope, we were saved. And he says, it's not something you see. Now, hope that is seen is not hope. Because you don't have to hope in something you can see right in front of you, right? It's right there. That's the difference between hope and, and, and what you can physically see. He describes hope as being something that's immaterial, intangible, invisible. For who hopes for what he sees? But if we hope for what we do not see, we wait for it with patience. Man, that's, that's kind of the rub, isn't it? Salvation is instantaneous when it occurs when you accept the Lord. But it potentially takes a very long time, perhaps even your mortal life, before you actually physically see the results of that. But as Paul says right here, and what I encourage you with tonight, that's where the hope comes in. It's that longing for what is to come, what is to take place. But he says you already have this hope which led to your salvation. The final thing we can hope for that can't be taken from us is reborn souls. We can be born again, and we can hope in the Lord. We see that this hope of reborn souls come when we accept the promise of God that Jesus Christ is our Savior. And that's what we celebrate this time of year, right? The coming Messiah who came as a baby, who grew up as a perfect man, who then died for our sin on the cross so that we could have this hope in Him that led to our salvation. And I want to tell you, if you get nothing else from this message or any of the other ones that I've ever preached that you've listened to, get this. You too can have that hope as well. You can have that hope of knowing that you have a relationship with Jesus Christ if you believe that he came to die for your sin on the cross so that you could be forgiven. And that hope leads to a relationship with God that can never be taken away. This hope of reborn souls, it comes to us when we accept that promise from God of Jesus Christ, our Savior. You remember at the beginning when I talked about the, the vaccinations and the promise that is being made to people that if they take this thing, that they will be immune? Well, there's people that are placing their hope in that, but we, we can't know for sure. With this, we can. A thousand percent we can know for sure. A million percent we can know for sure. The hope of reborn souls is an invisible reality that comes by faith. It's the only thing that is a reality and is yet completely invisible. We can know for certain. We see in Hebrews chapter 11, 1, we don't know who wrote Hebrews, but uh, we do know that it was. It could have been written by Paul, could have been written by any number of people, and there are varying debates on that. But in Hebrews chapter 11, verse 1, Hebrews 11 is essentially the chapter of faith, and it lists a whole bunch of people who lived life faithfully, who sacrificed their lives based on this invisible promise of God. But he opens, the writer opens Hebrews 11 by defining faith. And look, see, I tied it all back to last week. So if you want continuity, here's your continuity. Because hope and faith, they're right there. 
So when we talk about hope, we can't not talk about faith. And Hebrews 11.1 1 says, Now faith is the assurance. Sorry, I couldn't read my own writing. Now faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. Sounds a lot like hope, doesn't it? They're, they're related. Faith is the assurance of things hoped for, the conviction of things not seen. So we see that salvation is the only thing that is an invisible reality that comes by faith alone. But it's something that can't be taken, something we can hold on to. And it should give us the patience to continue in the Christian life. Because we know, and I always feel a little bit, let's see, how do I put this? When I talk about how things, how hard things are here in our country as a Christian, that really just doesn't do the idea or the concept of difficult living as a Christian justice. Because we're gathered here tonight on a Saturday night in our comfortable building and in the nice chairs, you know, and we're reading from books where it's all written. Probably nobody's going to come storming through the doors and break this up and arrest us or take me off to execute me. So when I talk about being a Christian and the difficulties of being a Christian in this country, please understand that I'm very aware that there are a lot of people who are living through a lot worse than we are for their faith. But I do say, because this is a truth that they know, that I think as Christians here in our country we need to really get a handle of, that a lot of people don't have a handle on. And that is, when you're struggling for your faith, when you have the potential of losing your family and your job, your livelihood, perhaps even your very life, the thing that keeps those individuals that face that kind of struggling that we don't have any idea about here really, the thing that keeps them going is the hope that they have to look forward to in a renewed creation, redeemed bodies, and a reborn soul. The hope and the faith that they have in that is what helps them face every day in the Lord and the strength of their relationship with Him that then helps them evangelize others, share their faith. The underground church is growing while here in our country Christianity is declining. That's a problem, I think. And yet we're supposed to be the Christmas country, right? We're the country that the rest of the world looks to for the holidays and all of that, for Christmas. And yet I think we do the poorest job with it and what it's about and the battles that we fight over it. That's another sermon, though, probably. Paul points the believers and the church at Rome to realize what they have to look forward to, what they can hope in. So what do we do with these verses tonight? What do we do with this idea of a renewed creation, redeemed bodies, and and reborn souls? When we look at the text, we learn from this text that we cannot lose our hope when it is based on the promises of God. When you know God's word and you know what he's promised, you can count on that. And you can count on all these things we looked at tonight. He has promised those that know him a renewed creation someday. He's promised them redeemed bodies and reborn souls. And I want to encourage you tonight, here is what we do with this. The first thing is this. This holiday, hold on to hope. If you're struggling, if things are rough, 
if things are not how you want them to be, if you're, you're, you're looking for something to be different or better or whatever, hold on to the hope that you can find in God's word that for certain one day it will be. As Christians, we wait with patience, Paul says. But we can be certain because it's promised. And we're the promise. We're the guarantee. This holiday, hold on to hope. When you get discouraged or anxious, instead of hoping for the things that this world has to offer, choose to place your hope in the promises of God instead. So the next time you're struggling with something and you want to look out to try to place your hope in something, instead look up and really look in because God's in there. He's up there, but he's also, more importantly, in here. Go to God and pray and meditate on the promises that God gives us in his word that we can look forward to, the hope that we have as Christians. That's the first thing you can do when you get anxious or stressed out of this holiday season. Look to the Lord and place your hope in him and his promises. The second is this. Pray that God would send you one person this holiday season with who you can share true hope. Because again, man, if we spent less time fighting battles and trying to preserve a Christian nation and instead tried to build, you know, the actual kingdom of God through saved and redeemed souls, I think we'd be a lot better off. We need to shift our focus and instead look at the people in our lives who need to know Jesus Christ. Pray that God will send you somebody this holiday season who doesn't know him with whom you can share what true hope is and what they can place their hope in. So the first thing is going to God, meditating on his promises, and placing your hope in him this holiday. Second is praying for God to send someone. And the last is this. That kind of ties in with the second one. But if you're watching online or listening through our podcast, or even here tonight, in the flesh. If you don't have the hope of what it means to have a relationship with Jesus Christ, tonight's the night to do something about that. Don't continue wandering through your life with no hope. Don't continue looking for things to change that won't. Don't continue placing your hope in promises that aren't guaranteed. But instead... If you've never asked Jesus Christ to be your Savior, if you've never said, God, I know I'm a sinner, I know that I've done things that are against you and against the Bible, and I know that I deserve hell for that. If you've never said that, if you've never told God that, and you've never asked him to forgive you for your sin, and you've never given your faith and your life to Jesus and said, Jesus, I'm yours, I'll follow you wherever you want to lead me, and I'll go wherever you want to go. I give you my life. Then you need to do that tonight. And then you can know what real hope is. You can know what it means to have a relationship with God. Tonight, as we conclude uh, the message, I'm going to pray for that. I'm going to pray for anyone who is listening. And then our worship team is going to come, and they're going to lead us in a song at the end here. But I want to encourage you, make that decision. And then let me know, or let somebody in your life know who knows Jesus, what you did. Father God, tonight we come before you. Christmas is a week away. And God, I do pray for anyone who's listening tonight or watching that if they've never made the choice to have a relationship with you, that tonight they would do that. Lord, I come before you and I pray for them and I pray that they would ask 
you to save them from their sin, that they would trust your son Jesus Christ as their Savior, that they would give their life to your son Jesus Christ and be willing to follow him wherever he would lead them. God, I pray for those also who are listening who do know you, that they would have a renewed desire to see others be saved, that they would have a renewed desire to share the hope that they have within them with others. And that as a church and the church, that we would get back to doing the things that that we're here for, that we're supposed to be doing, especially around the holidays. God, thank you for being our hope and for your promises. And it's in your Son's name, Jesus Christ, who came and lived and died and was buried and rose again for us. Amen. Thank you for listening to Christ-Centered Cast. Please join us again next week. God bless.